book of 2 Samuel chapter 17, I'll start reading in verse 20. So verse 20 reads this way. So David arose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the things and went as Jesse, who was his father, had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drew up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hands of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then, as he talked with them, there was, a, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the, men, the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel or refresh. And it, yeah, yeah, the organization, your organization. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter in covenant and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men or the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from refresh or Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the army of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Let us pray. Father, we bless you. We honor you. We thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for the example. Anytime any reproach, uh, anything defiles, rises against that which belongs to you. God, you will raise up a fearless individual under the anointing that says that day has come to a close. We decree and declare that the giant of grief has lived this last day and breathed this last breath. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise. In the matchless name of our King Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want you to go ahead and take your seats. Now, I'm going to take you through about three points, and then I'm going to go back. Now, the people uh, who are working technology, don't they do not have these other uh, scriptures and this other information, so I'm going to just need y'all to flow with me. If you want these notes afterwards, uh, make sure you leave your address if we do not have you as a member, and we will email those notes to you. So let's deal with these three points real quickly, and then I'll get I'll go over into First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, and I'll read out of the Message Bible there, bringing clarity. Remember Goliath. Remember grief. Goliath is grief. Goliath is grief. Now, I want you to listen to this. Number one, we recognize that the spirit of grief is a national, if not a global, spiritual enemy. So it's a natural, a national, I said natural, didn't I? It's a national and it's a global enemy. 
It is not isolated to your house. So it's a national, the whole United States is subject to grief. The whole globe is subject to the spirit of grief. It is a enemy. I want you to say this with me. Grief is an enemy. Now, I know we've, we've heard, and I've even said it myself, that, that grief is positive. If it is monitored, it's positive. If it is not monitored, if it goes beyond certain boundaries, it becomes deadly. I've done enough study to know what I'm talking about. Because if you grieve long enough, you're going to become depressed. And if you stay depressed long enough, you're going to become suicidal. You want to know how you got to where you want to take your own life. Something that you lost caused you to start grieving. Then you kept moving through layer after layer, and then you became depressed. You became hopeless. You thought that things would never change. And when you got into that place, then you started to say, what's the use of living? So this is an enemy. This is a national enemy. This is a global spiritual enemy. And I made sure that I put spiritual on that. Because you cannot overcome the spirit of grief by natural means. It is a spiritual enemy. You, you attack spiritual things with spiritual things. God never intended for a worship service to be natural. Everything about a worship service is spiritual because of the one that you're worshiping. If you could see him physically, it wouldn't be spiritual. We're here and we're worshiping a spirit. It is called the spirit of God. So I'm not going to let anybody's natural ways of thinking limit the image that's in this room right now. If you're going to worship... You worship in spirit and in truth. If you can't get in the spirit, you don't have no truth. Number two, the anointing on my life and the ministry is to bring down the giant of grief that threatens God's people. The anointing on my life. I know what he's in me and on me for. So I understand that. I've done this long enough to understand. Uh, I went from 23 people to thousands of people. Multiple locations. So I know what the anointing is on my life for. People follow me because they feel better. People wake up on Tuesday mornings. And you, they come on the call so fast you can't even read their names because they feel better. Which means something in my inner man is relieving them. Well, if you don't think that's so, you go on at 6 o'clock in the morning and see what happens. Now, I want to deal with something real quickly because there's this, this wave of disappointment in the body of Christ that, that I've been seeing. And, and this change and this shift in the way where people has taken carnality and brought it into the church and left the church headless. Like we don't have to report to anybody. That means you're headless. 
you know, you take the head off of it, what are you going to do with it then? It has no, it has no command center. So what we have to understand is when people try to say there is no headship in the church, they just want to do whatever they want to do anytime they want to do it and brings much disruption. And now you're subject to things that you would not be subject to without headship. So I'll just say just a little bit more as I, if I, as I go back and I won't go all the way back into John G. Lake and uh, William Seymour and all those, I'll just go into Oral Roberts. And if you deal with Oral Roberts, what was happening then? Oral Roberts and the way he moved was more like the Bible. And then you, you take, you take uh, Charles Capps, those type of individuals that came forth and set the body of Christ in another dimension. But now the philosophy has come as an enemy to the body of Christ that wants the body of Christ to function without a head, a physical head. Well, Jesus is our head. Let every head listen to Jesus and see how much confusion enters this room. When God got ready to deliver Israel, he sent Moses. When he got ready to lead Israel into the promise, he raised up Joshua. When he wanted to liberate them, uh, they, he raised up a Gideon. When he wanted to kill out a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a, of a donkey, I almost said something else, he raised up a Samson. When he wanted to deliver the people from the flood, he raised up a Noah. Now, how can he raise up all these people and then now we want to be headless? As for all the females, when God got ready to deliver the children of Israel, he raised up a Hadassah who became Esther. So you can't show me anywhere in the Bible where the church moved forward without leadership. Nowhere in the Bible can you show me that. So I am in the anointing. Somebody's got to go talk to the spirit of grief. And you have to consecrate yourself before you talk to grief because grief will expose you. You got some weakness, grief will expose you. Let me tell you, let me tell you how, how that when the enemy is really running rampant, when he really wants to destroy the church, he tries to expose the leader, bring dirt up on the leader. But if ain't no dirt on you, all he does is stir up the wind. So when you're going to confront something, you got to make sure you got a history that's impeccable. So when they start talking, they have nothing to validate what they're saying because what they want to do, they don't want to stop me. They want to stop you. They want to stop you from moving forward. They're jealous of you. They're not jealous of me. Number three, number three. That's why you support your leadership, especially when you got good leadership. You can't find good leadership that often. You support it. You pray for it. You intercede for it. And don't let not one of those jokers say anything negative about something that's good. Number three. The God in heaven and the earthly government rewards the person or groups that remove 
the challenge. So you see in scripture, Saul was ready to reward whoever brought down the spirit of grief, Goliath. God was ready to reward whoever brought down this threat, this reproach to the body of Christ, to his army. See, everybody is quiet when the church gets attacked. But I get people on a bus and go to Atlanta and say, what y'all going to do now? You know, see, see, I don't understand being anointed and fleeing. So you see it here in the Bible. What, the, what was said, the men told David, that said this, that whoever removes this reproach, the king will enrich him with great riches. It also said the king will give him his daughter, making covenant together with him. The king will also step over into your father's house and exempt you from taxes. I said it like this. I said it like this. Every church needs to pay taxes if they're not going to bring down community giants. No church should be exempt from taxes if you're not going to confront the issues that are tormenting God's people. This is where we see in scripture. This is how we reward the church or the person who takes away this reproach, who takes away this threat to the people of God. You got to understand, they don't like you coming to worship on a Wednesday night. They don't like you watching on a Wednesday night. They detest you coming together on a Wednesday night. How can we stop this? You can't. So David confronts this thing and does not. He said, is there not a cause? You notice that he didn't badger his brothers for being scared. You may have talked about me, but I'm not going to talk back about you. I'm just going to go take care of what you wouldn't take care of. Now, I want to, I want to detour just a little bit. I want to detour. I'm not going to be long. I just want to detour. Because I want to show you something. I want to show you something that I never saw until today. In fact, when I saw this particular scripture, I was driving out of my neighborhood. My, my internet's not working right now or the, in the neighborhood. So I needed information. So I had to drive here to the church just to get on the internet so that I can get this information and be precise with it. Okay. I showed up. Uh, uh, Adrian and Chelsea, some of my study material, how I studied, and I told them I paid a whole lot of money for it because I don't want to be wrong. And this is one thing I understand. I value you so much, I won't feed you junk. Now, I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to read it to you out of the message Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We may need to put it up in the New King James Version on the screen. If we can do that quickly, let me read it from there and then go to the message Bible. I want to show you something. The people perish for a lack of knowledge. 
If you don't get rid of grief at some point, it's going to kill you. Finally, then, brethren. Whenever it says brethren, he talks, it's talking about those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. We urge and exalt you in the Lord, Jesus, that you should abound more and more. Did y'all go to the right one? Y'all went all the way to verse 1. Did I tell y'all the verse to go to? Okay, thank you. I pulled back that uh, rebuke. Go to verse 13. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Lest you sorrow or grieve as others who have no hope. Now, let me read that out of the Message Bible for you. And regarding the question, friends, that have come up about what happens to those already dead or buried and buried, we don't want you in the dark any longer. Verse 14. First off, you must not carry on over them like people who have nothing to look forward to. Let me, back, let me back up. Let me read this slow. You must not carry on over them like people who have nothing to look forward to. As if the grave were the last word. Since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, God will most surely or certainly bring back to life those who died in Jesus. speaks for itself. The grave doesn't have the last word. He said, I don't, I don't want you grieving over someone who was born again that left this earth. I don't want you grieving like they didn't know Christ. I want you grieving like you see on Facebook, Instagram, I don't want you in sorrow in that, that condition. Now I'm going to read more to you. This is from my commentaries. Paul was about to clear up some misunderstandings regarding death. And the coming of Christ which was causing the church. Thessalonians. A good deal of of anxiety. So the Thessalonian church were in anxiety because they didn't understand the death of a saint. Read on. The young Christians, and when it says young Christians, that's not the amount of time you've been in church. 
Because you can be in church a long time and still be young in the gospel. So the young Christians felt that those who die before the return of Christ would miss out. So in their day, let me explain it to you. In their day, they had heard of the coming of Christ. They were waiting on the return of Christ. Their understanding was this. If someone died before Christ returned, they missed out on something. So the Apostle Paul is addressing this. For all those who think your loved one, who worship God and serve God, is missing something because Christ has not returned. And they have gone to sleep. They're not missing anything. If anybody's missing anything, it's us who's missing something. Uh, let, let me read on. Let me read on. Let me read on. They must have thought there was a special advantage to being alive at Christ's return. This meant in their minds that they there was an a disadvantage for those who did not make it to his return. So you're telling me the dead in Christ are at a disadvantage. That's what the church was thinking. They thought those who were in Christ and passed away and transitioned were in a disadvantage. So they were grieving and in sorrow because they thought the ones who left before they did lost their chance, lost their opportunity. So whenever you think there's someone who's passed on that was a born again believer and you're thinking that they lost their chance and now your grieving goes to another level or another dimension because you think they missed their chance. Paul was concerned that the church, he was concerned about the church because they needed to quit. <laughs> they needed to quit sorrowing and grieving like everyone else around them. People outside of Christ have no basis for facing death without hope. Let me read that last part again. Let me read that last part again. I'm trying to read slow. I want to run. Listen, people outside of Christ have no basis of facing death with hope. So, those of us who face the loss of a friend or a family member in Christ, we faced it in hope. We understand it's not over. I ain't crying no more. It's not over. I may miss them. It's not over. I got more. I got more. See, this is all in your Bible. All you got to do is get this, the, the right tools to study with. And you'll see that we may be in grief over something we should not be grieving at all. Now, now, if, if the dead in Christ shall rise first, why are we looking back? 
if they were in Christ. That's why all of y'all need to be get saved so we can shout at your funeral. We want to praise God because you made it there before we did. I, I'm going to I'm going to eliminate this fear of death for a believer. death of a Christian is something very different from the death of an unbeliever. I'm going to read that again. The death of a Christian is something very different from the death of an unbeliever. The difference is the hope and the assurance of the resurrection. So I'm telling you, based on the truth of the word, those who died in Christ will rise with him, which means those who serve God and we who serve God have not seen them for the last time. So all the ones you're grieving over, all you need to say is, I'll see you later. So I can tell my mom, I'll see you later. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of space of time, but I'm good. I'll see you later. I'm going to work until it's time for me to see you again. There's nobody in this place nor streaming that should grieve the same way that they used to grieve. Because that type of grief is pagan grief. I refuse to grieve like a pagan. I refuse to grieve like an unbeliever. I may have some tears running down my face, but one thing I am not going to do, I am not going to grieve like somebody who has no hope. You have hope. I have hope. They have hope. And you ought to shout about the hope that you have. My thoughts is this. How many things have you been grieving over that God has a replacement for? If God had a plan for you to see them again, what increase was supposed to come in your life for that subtraction? What multiplication was supposed to come behind this attraction in your life? Because I've known God for everything I lost, I gained something better. So if you're still grieving over your losses, you have not made room for the things that are coming that are better. I've had some bad leaders around me, but I didn't grieve them so long that I couldn't receive my good leadership. You may be grieving something right now which is not becoming to a believer. Because for me, I get double for my trouble. Put me through some trouble, watch me multiply. 
Why? Because anything that I lose, I'm sorry you weren't willing to spend about $20,000 on your study material and then buy a new computer because it wouldn't fit on your old computer. And you go ahead and flip through your Bible and trying to find what I got, but you ain't paid enough money to know what I know right now because I'm a real professional at what I do and I study what I do. You stay right in your little seat and keep rolling over in your sorrow. I'm going to keep shouting about those who left in Christ because I shall see them again. Let me say this before I go any further. I heard Paula White, I heard her say, she said, my library costs more than my car. So when you're serious about it, whatever you're serious about, that's what you're putting your money on. I'm serious about this. I'm not going to be ignorant. The Bible said, don't be ignorant, brethren. If you are born again, do not stay in ignorance because as long as you're in ignorance, you're going to act just like those people out there who do, do not know Christ. Pull yourself together, straighten up your church shirt, pull your pants up, stop acting like people who don't have any knowledge and any relationship with Jesus Christ. I take a lick and I keep on ticking because everything you do and say about me increases me. I got a revelation in the Bible. Bring it on, baby. Do whatever you need to do. Increases on God's mind for me. Walk away so you can make room for those who are going to walk with me. You're grieving over things that you should not grieve over. You ought to celebrate it. They wasn't nothing but a hindrance anyway. They were trying to mess up what God gave you. They were trying to steal what God gave you. They couldn't get their own people, so they came after yours. Ain't you glad they left before they could convince anybody to go with them? I was telling Sasha, I said, Sasha, you have to be careful. Or you'll grieve like people who have no hope. You'll grieve like people who don't believe there is a resurrection. That's why they do like they do. They don't think anything's going to happen next. They live like hopeless people because they have no hope. So if you don't help me, and you don't help me, and you don't help me, I'm still not going to lose my hope. Because my hope... Is in the Lord. There you, you everywhere. My hope is in the Lord. You got to put your hope in the Lord and know that God's going to come through no matter what happens to you. God's still going to come through. God's still going to show up. I've had churches change out so many times in 26 years, but I'm still here and have a debt-free building. You want to know why? Because my hope is in the Lord. Tap your neighbor, tell him my hope is in the Lord. Everything around you may disappoint you. Some people may look at you crazy, but look at the, let, let them look at you crazy. They're about to look at you going up because every time they look, you will be in another dimension and another dimension and another dimension and another dimension. Why? Because you don't know how to go down because you gravitate to where God is, not where God was. Let me tell you why over the years I kept moving this ministry forward and moving this ministry higher so you wouldn't look down. So if we don't have anointed, 
God sent, God-fearing people who will spend time and find truth, then we will live a lie. Grief only has you because you are not knowledgeable about the thing that you're grieving about. Let me help you with something. Say this with me. So what? So what? That's for every person that said they're going to leave you. I know it's not a Bible verse, but you need to get used to it. So what? You didn't add anything to me and you're not taking anything away from me. So what? Don't stress over it. Don't stress over it. Don't stress over it. Don't grieve over things that don't make any sense. Said, I want, I want to, I want to ease it. I want to bring some ease to your life, brother. I want to, I want to bring some ease to your life. I don't want you grieving like people who have no hope of the resurrection, because everything in Christ gets up again. So I want to talk to everybody that drove up on this campus down. Your resurrection day has come. We're, we're not about to do anything. We're already doing it, baby. You'd be surprised at some of the relationships your boy have right now. You better watch out because I may fly them into town. One of them is coming Sunday. It's a sign. People like them don't come to dead places. And I didn't call him, he called me because he knows it's alive at refresh. And if he knows it's alive, touch your neighbor, tell him, get a revelation, get a revelation, get a revelation. Greatness never comes to dead places. Greatness comes to places where there's potential. Greatness comes to places where there's a future. Greatness comes to places that there's something about to bloom. Touch your neighbor, tell him I'm blooming again. They thought while you were in your fall season that you wouldn't spread out again, but you were just in your fall season. You look dead, you sound dead, but you weren't dead. Get ready to bloom, get ready to flourish, get ready to expand. Bernice? Reverend Carlton Roden's in heaven and he's waiting on you to meet him there. <laughs> See, y'all don't understand when you do it well, when you're faithful, regardless of what's going on, you will meet your loved ones again and I want you to shout about meeting those who are in Christ Jesus. I'll see him again. I'll see him again. I'll see him again. I got work to do, but I'll see you again. I'm going to get my job done in my generation, but I'll see you again. I don't care what my naysayers say. I got my head down. I'm working because I'm going to see you again because he's going to say, well done, now good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Now I make you ruler over many things. Enter ye into the joy of the Lord. I can't wait till I see my mama again, but I'm going to work while it's day because at night, 
No man can work. This is the time. If you're going to work, if you're going to commit yourself, if you're going to serve, if you're going to labor, now is the I'm about to close. I stood over the coffin while my mama was laying in there in all pink. And I looked down at her. And I said, now I'll go to the nations. I never would leave the United States of America until my mama went home. Nations would have never experienced my presence until my mama went home. What is it that you're doing now that you never would have done unless one of your family members went home because you work hard when they go home because you want to see them again because the responsibility they had in the earth that's over but you still have responsibility so I'm not going to waste my time with a bunch of lazy people a bunch of confused people I am going to work because God is dependent on me to get some things done and I am not operating in anything other than obedience everything he tells me to do as a senior pastor of Refresh Family Church I'm going to do it because I'm working to see my mama again yes I want to see God but I want to see my mama too any of y'all gonna work to see the loved one that you're missing right now don't grieve over it celebrate it baby every time you get a chance every time you get a chance to worship every time you get a chance to come to the house of God and anytime you wake up just give God praise and, and serve him because sooner or later you're gonna meet them there grief is coming out of all of you right now <laughs> I said grief is coming off of all of you right now. We're going to teach you how to stay in the middle of the road, but we had to break the spirit of grief off of you. Now that you have received the truth, the truth is what makes us free. Anybody free in this house tonight? Somebody shout it ain't over. This is what I've done as a reminder. Mama had a special seat. And I wanted to make sure that I honored her. And I wanted to make sure that I never forgot that I was going to see her again. So I took a mother boat and sat mother boat right there in my mother's honorary seat to always remind me that I'm going to see my mama again. She's not a replacement, she's a reminder. Some of y'all have gotten a reminder that there's something greater ahead of you than the things that are going on behind you. And I just came to remind some of y'all who love being in Greece, come on up hither, come, 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 come on up hither. So if trouble don't last always, and weeping may endure for a night, and joy comes in the morning, I don't know where you were when I started, but if you're in a better place now, you need to tell somebody. 
Because I'm anointed to bring that giant down. I don't care who I have to get on the troop, on my trooper's side. But I'm going to bring in every heavy hitter I can find. I'm going to leverage every relationship that has any level of expertise to bring this demon down that's been trying to neutralize the church. You're somebody powerful and you don't know it because you've been grieving. You didn't recognize how powerful you were because you've been grieving. You've been staying around a weak area and the Lord has already made you strong. And if you know you're strong, you ain't got to tell your neighbor. Just express yourself one more time. I'm done. Hey, if you're ever in the Birmingham area, we'd love to see you. Stop by because everyone is welcome at Refresh Family Church. It's full of friendly people, a warm atmosphere, and a powerful word. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. or our empowerment service on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We're located at 117 12th Court Northwest in Birmingham, Alabama. We'll see you soon at Refresh. Want to find out more about Apostle Stephen A. Davis? Well, log on because StephenADavis.org is now live. That's right. Log on to StephenADavis.org now and you can find out all about him. Watch live broadcasts and get all the information you need at StephenADavis.org. Available on all platforms. Log on today. Refresh Family Church. As we worship together, remember our five goals. Serving the needs of families. Reaching the lost. Equipping the saints. Reaching the nations. And transferring to generations. At Refresh Family Church, we're more than just a church. We're a nation. To find out more, log on to StephenADavis.org. We'll see you next time.